It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Friday afternoon, and we are flying high again, just like Ozzy Osbourne and Randy Rhodes in 1981, except we're flying commercial. We're not flying charter. And flying along with me, a co-pilot for this afternoon, is Jonathan Tannenwald from the Philadelphia Inquirer making his uh, annual uh, trip to Fishtown. Welcome back to Fishtown. When you intro it that way, could it have been anybody else? <laughs> we, have, we had a rowdy studio audience here a few moments ago. Yeah, we did Baxter. Um, Baxter is doing a little too much sniffing. So we, uh, <coughs> we sent him packing. Yeah, my daughter's downstairs sleeping, so hopefully he doesn't wake her up. But um, that's his problem now, and that's her problem now. John, welcome back. Um, it's you. always nice to have you up here. For I th- We do this once a year. And the giant construction site that is Fishtown. The gi- I know. I feel like every time you come here, there's some kind of uh, something is being torn up or replaced or rebuilt or whatever. And, uh, yeah, we've got the 95 uh, ramp, which is being done. We've got Gerard and Burks, which is closed down. There's always something uh, going on. And... Uh, there's always something going on for the Philadelphia Union as well. That's something this time is that they're in second place. Uh, five points back from New York City FC. We finally caught up. Uh, all the games in hand have been played, um, and they're five points back, 57 points for New York, 52 points for your town, your team, your Philadelphia Union. They had a 1-1 draw with LAFC. 51 for Atlanta, by the way. 51 for Atlanta now, who played midweek, and they beat Cincinnati. Um, so it's uh, interesting down the stretch. It's not something we've able to been able to say much for the union in the past. Um, but what did you make of LAFC, and where and what where do you think uh, <clears throat> what do you think about where the team is right now? I thought the first half of that game might have been the best forty five minutes of soccer I've ever seen in that building. I mean, it was fast, smart. You know, yes, the LAFC had the possession and. Shots advantages, but you couldn't walk out of that half thinking that the union didn't deserve to be right there in it the way it, they were. It looked really fast on TV. Did yeah. it play fast in yeah, person? Yeah. It was, and I talked to a bunch of guys after the game, and I've written a couple things about this in the last few days, as folks know. I did not think that the union would be able to match LAFC's speed of thought, and they did. And that's an incredible compliment to how far they've come. Because mm-hmm. there would have been past years, past coaches, sporting directors, CEOs, excuse me, sorry, uh, <laughs> any number of other people in which they would have battled gamely and lost. Yeah. And everybody said, oh, they battled gamely and gave a great, great heroic Philadelphia failing effort. You know? That's right. That's right. This was no heroic Philadelphia failing effort. This is a really good team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are they going to win MLS Cup? No, probably not. Are they going to make MLS Cup? Probably not. Let's find out how well. You know, look, they've got a shot to make the final, and if they finish second, which we can talk about, and I'm sure we will, mm-hmm. uh, how how and what it would take for them to finish second, that's a big hint if there ever was one. Yeah. Um, if they finish second, they won't have to get on a plane until the final. And That's correct. I believe mm-hmm. I'm going to look this up. Uh, you are you are listening live to me looking something up on yeah, my yeah. phone. Yeah, yeah. This is great. Uh, this is what, uh, this is what makes for great radio, as they say. Getting getting the standings <laughs> up on my phone as we speak because I should know this off the top of my head. 
Um, and I do not. I believe, certainly, uh, the odds that they would host the final against anybody other than LAFC are quite high. So 52. The only other Western Conference team with 50 or more is Seattle. Right. So I would say the odds are decent. Yeah, because they've got the third. They've got the third best PPG. Yeah, as it's still one point one point seven three. One point seven three. Second. Yeah. Sorry, third. Third behind uh, right. LA and New York. Right. Um. So yeah, they would host. I mean, assuming that extrapolates the way we wanted to extrapolate, they would host against. Um, as of now, everybody as except of now LAFC. everybody except LA. So um, when you play it out, we we did. Um, when we did the live podcast at the Larimer back in July, we did an audience participation. I've not exercise. been to yet, unfortunately. I need to fix that. You haven't been there? Yeah, you got to go, man. You've been everywhere else in the world, right? The so days, the days when I am down there and paying attention, it is usually you know what the Tuesday running, and Wednesday, and I never know if they're open. Well, the running joke them. for the longest time was that Tannenwald has been all over the world and all up and down the West Coast, but you haven't been to. Have you been everywhere in Jester? <laughs> It's a, it's easier for you to get get around everywhere else in the in the yes, world. Yes, that is so, that is except true. to get except to take Septa yes. down to the to the stadium. So we did a, like an audience participation exercise, and at the at the time the Union were on thirty six points. They had ten uh, wins, six losses, and six draws, and they had a one point six four PPG. So the we we went like game by game, and we said you know we had people raise their hands. We said like but you know three points from this game, one point from this game. What do you think? So they projected the audience projected that we would get zero against Atlanta. We that the team would get zero against Atlanta, um, that they would get one against LAFC. So they did get one against LA, but they got three versus Atlanta. So the audience went three points at Red Bull, zero at San Jose, three at Columbus, and three at home versus NYC. So they had them finishing on 57. How many total points out of the road trip? Uh, so they had them going six out of nine points on the six road trip. Nine. Mm. And they had them finishing, uh, finishing on 57. 57 points, which would be... Um, so last year, for example, 50 points was worth six. If they, if they get five, that would take, that would two draws, two draws and a, and a, and a win going into NYC. I would be satisfied even if they wouldn't be. And the reason why I would be sad, I think, look, they can beat the Red Bulls. I have a very bad feeling about this game. About Sunday? Yes. Bradley Wright Phillips has scored far too few goals this year for me to feel comfortable with the Union going in there and winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and they look, they sometimes play well there and sometimes they don't. It's not, but, it doesn't feel, Red Bull Arena doesn't feel to me like it's the, uh, you know, the, the house of horrors. And yet it was, was for a long time. Yeah, it was forever. I mean, I think I wrote that story for PhiladelphiaUnion.com. I think I wrote it for Philly Voice. I think I wrote it for Channel 3. Uh, I think I wrote it for Crossing Broad. That's how that's how long that right, and it's not anymore. Narrative um, was going on. The Red Bulls are a weird team. Yeah, they are. So I just you know you'd like in theory to be able to throw out the San Jose game, but as Jim Curtin has admitted, they can't. Mm-hmm. And then Columbus is the very definition of a trap game because they're going to be probably they're going to be almost certainly eliminated from playoff contention by And they took out Atlanta about a week and a half. They took ago. out Atlanta. Yeah. And we don't know what they're going to do. And Jossie Zardes with his first touch is either going to score or hit He's it into kick the, the river. ball all the way to Philadelphia from the stand, from <laughs> the right. 18-yard line. You never know you never know what you're going to get. So listen, um the Union go Red Bull San Jose. 
uh, Columbus, and then at home to to New York City. So three on the road, one at home. Um, NYC's schedule is a little tricky too. Okay, so they got to go to Dallas on Sunday. Uh, they get Atlanta at home. Then they have I'm to play go to that game. By the way, you're going to Atlanta. Yeah, NYC Atlanta. That's going to be a very interesting. Uh, you really Union fans would very much like that game to end in a tie. I think. So they're playing. So for just for reference here, they're playing the same like kind of kind of three games in whatever days that the Union right. are. So it's Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday. It's at Dallas. They come back home to play Atlanta. Then they go to at New England. Right. Uh, at New England is not a gimme anymore. Uh, and then it sets up for the for the Philly game right. um, at home. Now, do you see that gap being? I mean, the Union would have to get that gap to at least three points. They wanted it. To they have wanted game it three game. going into it. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that game's going to have stakes no matter what because I think the Union are going to be playing for second. Yeah. As much as they might be playing for first. So let's just run through the scenario though. Say, say it gets to like uh, you know the first tiebreaker wins. is wins total wins. And they're both on the same total wins right now, correct? Right, which is why they want to be within three points. Now, what's the goal? So the goal differential, I think New York has them beat by what, like, is it four goals or something now? Do you still have those standings pulled up on that? Seven. Oh, it's seven. Okay, God. If if I am willing to predict that if if the points margin is three points, Mm -hmm. they'll have the shot at the wins. Naturally, because the gap will have closed. So. Right, the, the gap would but have also, closed by virtue also, of right, them losing. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. also, I will venture that the goal difference will be in sight. Because it I'm might gonna... not be two, it might be three, but it'll be in sight. Right, right. So here's the thing, man. I uh, my I feel like I can see this coming from like a mile away, and it's annoying as hell. But I just like I can't shake this uh, feeling that the Union, or even Atlanta, I guess, if you want to make it a macro thing, I just can't shake the feeling that the Eastern Conference is going through Yankee Stadium. And we're going to have multiple... I I mean, then you take in the Yankees' playoff schedule. I don't know what I think it it is going through New York. But here's the... I said this to my editor last night in, in an attempt to plan things out. The Union would not have to get on a plane until the final. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know where that bus is going to go. Yeah. But still, it ain't nothing. Well, here's the thing. It's and they, the- if, if, if they want... If they get two home games, I think they're going to be in very good shape. I also think, and I don't claim to know how, mm-hmm. one of the one seeds is going to get bit. Okay. I think. I don't know which one. Yeah, LA is not tearing it up like they used to. I mean, maybe well, they're just they're, chilling in the meantime. As good yeah, as they are, um, imagine them playing either the Galaxy or San Jose in a one-game knockout. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then you get the kind of the Derby thing going on there. Right. See, here's the thing. I just and then don't, similarly imagine I, NYCFC hosting Toronto or the Red Bulls. Or Red Bull. See, here's the thing. I just have this feeling like, you know, this is the best season that the Philadelphia Union have ever had, you know. Most wins, most points, you know, all these records are going to be set and blah, 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 right? Uh, We all know how last year ended with a crappy, forgettable trip to NYCFC. I mean, what what are we saying about this season if the Union – If the Union make the Eastern Conference final, it's been a successful season. It's been a successful season, but – it's going to be like one of those things again where it's just, you're just going to have the worst final, it's a successful season. It's a successful season, but 
That's going to be them how many predicated, game, how many predicated playoff to games them. have the Union won in their history? Zero. They're zero and four in the playoffs. That's, They're zero and three in the U.S. Open Cup final. But you can't. But how much? How much? How how much can you really? Because you know there's going to be people who say, well, it's that shitty field and we went up here and we can never win on this damn field and blah, blah, blah. And that's going to be stuck in the back of your head, too, at the same time. And I'm going to say, okay, what the hell were they doing there in the first place? I think if they get that close and then lose, you know, on that crappy field in a game where it's like the union just don't look like themselves because they can't really play their game on that field. Like, I think people are going to have more of a bad taste than I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if, if they win. Even if they win if they one beat, playoff remember, game if they, and they lose a second playoff they, game, that's if a successful If they get to season. the Eastern Conference Final and beat Atlanta in the semis... Yes, that's absolutely successful. There's it's people absolutely are gonna, successful. People will, will... I just don't like the, I don't like the, the sure, general Sure, people will feeling. say the Yankee Stadium is an awful place or wherever the hell they end up. Right, right. Is it an awful place to play soccer? But I don't think they will say the season was unsuccessful. Yeah. Now, yeah. what I'm actually more afraid of it doing is setting unrealistic expectations for next year. Well, that's a problem, too. Because yeah. the Philadelphia sports fan says, you made the first round of the playoffs next year, therefore you were to make the second round uh, the year, af- year after, the third the year after that, therefore I know exactly which year you're going to win the championship. Yeah. And if you yeah. don't, you have offended my birthright, my masculinity. And so on, so. <laughs> well, it's just like, uh, I don't know. I Just the optics of like, you know, there's still a and there's still a Champions League berth on the line here too. You know, so I mean that would be the ul- that would that. be the ultimate that would be the ultimate fit. Yeah, I mean, there's no nobody's going to come out of this like if they win a play. I think even if they win a playoff game and then they lose like the second playoff game, even if it's at home, um, I think I think you still you still make the case. Okay, they made progress. You know, they, this is something that they have not done before. You know, I think if people- they if they if their first round playoff game. Is a is, a, eh, it might be again. If they get the two seed, they might play New England. New England, New England at home. Yeah. They, advise mm-hmm. with your listeners. I'm about to cough. I'm sorry. That's right. The dog's scratching at the door too. He's being a pain in the ass. Um, there's no cough button in this studio. We're no, doing, sorry. We just old-fashioned, authentic podcast. We'll do it live. Yeah. Um, like Bill O'Reilly. If somehow the team they end up playing in the first round is DC United. Mm. And they send Wayne Rooney packing. <laughs> that would be uh... the people will not mind losing to New York City FC in the conference finals. No, I guess not. It just um, I think like I think what I'm trying to say here is like it would be one thing to like go down and lose to Atlanta in the conference file finals, but like losing in the in the conference finals to New York and like it's the same yeah, well, field that you played on last year. It's the same stupid story with that that stadium. It's the same. Like, Here's or I'll add another layer to that. You exited two years in a row of the, to NYC in the playoffs. Of the 250,000 or whatever people, if that, who are going to watch this game in the Philadelphia area, <laughs> probably fewer. Yeah. How many actually give a damn? Well, uh, sorry. Know, do an entire another podcast on that. But, but my right, point yeah, is, yeah. my point is, I just don't think it will be that big a deal if they end up losing at NYC FC. That's true. Um, I I just don't, I just don't know what's going to happen with NYC FC because the thing they have the better talent. They do. Yeah. Yeah, top to bottom, I think. So, 
we'll, well see. Well, I mean, at least you know that that game was probably going to mean something. That final regular season game, you know. But I, ironically, again, you, the season ends the same way with a with a regular season game against New York that has a lot to. All right. So anyway, let's yes. move on from that. Um, the charter flight thing. You did a story. Yay. You did a story this week. They loved it in the union's offices. The union loved it. Tim McDermott addressed it. Uh, there was a quote that you added from uh, Ernst Tanner um, that was a in there. A statement that was provided. A yes. statement was provided to the Philadelphia Inquirer and John Tannenwald that was added to the story. So um, you pick it up from there and tell me where we're at with you. The, the floor is open um, for you to discuss. That. Um, look, I'm not going to address Tim McDermott's remarks on Twitter about that or about my story placement in the paper or the various other things that he has. You don't want to talk about D6? Uh, no, no. I don't make that decision as he knows. He, he, he does legitimately know that I don't make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to leave that alone. Well, everybody knows that that's not a complaint about you, you know? I mean, it's just that's talking up, that's barking up the tree to other people who I've mentioned previously, but I won't do that now. So I, I'm going to yeah. leave that part of it alone. That's probably um, smart. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, someday when you write the book, <laughs> I know I just, I keep saying it over and over and over again. Well, it's going to, it's, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be an audio book. I think I've come to realize <laughs> it's going to be an audio book because I don't need, I write like, to otter and I write like eight stories a day. Like what do, what do you want me to do? Like I'm going to finish yeah. up my crossing broad shift and then I'm going to write like a, you know, a chapter out of a book. I can't do it. I'd rather just do what I, what I did on here with like the CJ, DUI thing and just say, hey, blah, 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 here's what's going on, and then we'll like put them all together and we'll sell cassettes or something. Right. Cassettes, man. Not even vinyl. For the hipsters, That's yeah. Right, they're yeah. past vinyl right now, man. They're, ba- they're, back, on, uh, they're back on cassettes. That, that I tried to sell me. some CDs to this dude on Frankfurt Avenue in Fishtown, he said, and he said, bro, we don't take those anymore. Like, he would not buy CDs. Well, if they're up yeah. to cassettes, then that means they're going to come back around to CDs. Yeah, it's very cyclical, is it not? But anyway, um, I'm okay. sorry. So the, yeah. the charter flights, look. I wrote this and I've said it to people and I think that the readers have generally picked this up and I know some people at the union have picked this up and Alejandro Bedoya is certainly one of them because he has pretty well said as much on Twitter. And he tweeted something later that was unrelated to... um that was just responding to somebody else, I think, right? Hercules he Gomez, that, yes. Yeah, he, he said, forth. we've used zero, zero zilch, which, which, which I appreciated because it brought onto the record something that I had heard from sources who did not want to be. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, here's the thing. You cannot help but contrast it with LAFC spending the entire week here, coming straight up from Orlando and then spending the entire week here mm-hmm. instead of going back to Los Angeles and then flying east again. And it is where, and I wrote that this falls on the ownership because it does. They could have decided, we're just going to do this. And done it. And it, it, it would have sent a signal, I think, that they're invested to that degree. The players certainly would have appreciated it, I think. Mm-hmm. And then, again, it w- you, you would then have the maximum ability... Ideally, as I wrote, ideally, you fly straight from Newark to San Jose or to SFO on mm-hmm. Sunday night. Mm-hmm. If it's the SFO, you take the bus for the hour or whatever it is. Yeah. You're in, you go to sleep. Yeah, that's you wake not up a lot. Whatever hour it is mm-hmm. on Monday, train in the afternoon, train on Tuesday, play a game Wednesday. Mm-hmm. 
get us get all the rest you can, get the right amount of training time. Right. Wednesday night, go across the you know, the airport's right there, across the street from the stadium in San Jose. Yeah. Get on the plane, fly to Columbus. Fly to Columbus. Get there at two in the morning or whatever ungodly hour it is. Get on the bus, go to the hotel, mm-hmm. sleep for eight hours, wake up, train in the afternoon. And you got Thursday, and you got, well, Thursday afternoon, I guess would be that point. You got Friday, you got Saturday. Stay in Columbus the whole time. Yeah. Play a game on Sunday and then go home. Like, for our commercial home on Monday morning. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it's, it's uh, so the, the concept, of, to boil it down to the most basic things, is I think people are still, wanting, you know, Ernst Tanner's done a good job this year. Jim Curtin has done a good job this year. The players have done a great job this year. People still want to know, is ownership doing everything they can to help the team win at the same time? You know, if you're not using the charter flights, then what's the point, right? And, so this, and if this the, is... If the, right. If this the answer... Would, they're not... We don't... Like, the team is, the team is yes, good. We, right. The, 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 right. the coaches, the players, the technical staff hmm. have done a terrific job. And as I said in the piece, now you'd like the owners to take another little step up. Right. And... As I wrote in the story, I would think the odds are decent that you're going to make that money back if you get a second home playoff game. Correct. And you fill the seats and sell the beers and the scarves and the t-shirts and all the other, you know, and the hot dogs and all right. that shit. Yeah. So the, the the point is that right. It's it's previous inhibitions that may have you know cautioned them against using charter flights would say, well, are we really convinced that this is a good team? Okay, we well, can't say that anymore because it is a good team. Um, you say, you know, are we making the right personnel moves? Uh, yes, you have a good sporting director in place. Do we have the right coach? Jim's done a good job this year. So I don't really know what the justification would be for not using those flights, not taking those opportunities, I, I, you unless would, you were cheap. You would, you would conclude. Unless you were cheap. You would conclude that so, it is purely financial. Right. So, And you would, you would, you would also potentially well, say you build, if they you, don't, if if they don't think the marginal benefit is that much, I would make the counter argument that in hmm. fact it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. the. Right. Cause Ernst, that was in provided in Ernst's statement where he said, you know, we, we looked at the, you know, how the sessions would go in San Jose and our regeneration right. and whatever the hell. Or I whatever, like and we Ernst think it's okay. A lot. Mm-hmm. I genuinely like Ernst a lot. Mm-hmm. Dramatic pause. Here we go. The furthest I will say that would potentially get me in any trouble. And some readers, I think, uh, noticed this, is that Ernst might have been put up to said statement. Well, yeah, I mean, he's not, I mean, well, what what, what else would, would there to be expected? You know, Jay Sugarman's not going to come out and make a statement, you know. Jay yeah, Sugarman's, you know, I asked, Jay Sugarman's I asked barely visible. I asked for a comment just so that I would have a comment. yeah. And if well, they had said no comment, I would have just said no comment and gone on with it. And I and let everybody, you know, then f- this is my report. You can believe what I have to say, or you can right. do this or whatever, and everybody can do what we normally do. But I think the the macro level thing on here is that the front office has built. You know, a little bit of goodwill this year. You know, they spent five hundred thousand dollars on Sergio Santos. You know, they went out and got Marco Fabian in here. You know, they they have added some staffers you know you do it's not a big staff but you have some scouts now it's not what ernie stewart walked into you know there are some people who work in that department now when you go into the the wharf building they have a good team so 
and you have a good team that's playing good soccer. So this is an opportunity for the front office, and they did this. I thought the Andrew Vooten signing was another good indicator of this. Was that hey, we have a good team. Are we going to try to improve this team at the at the transfer deadline? You know, they have it's something they haven't really done in the past, and say oh, we're going to go out and get a good striker. Now Vooten hasn't played a lot, obviously, but did that light a spark under Shabilko's ass? Maybe. Uh, but point being is you've seen these incremental little things. Okay, they spent some money on transfer for a, or a fee. They brought in somebody in the in the yeah. summer transfer window. Okay, so why not take and the next Shibilko's step? Man? success, by the way, allows you to say, well, it's okay if if Wooten isn't firing on all cylinders this year. You figure he's going to be much better next year. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, because that's what Shabilko did. Well, yeah, because you're not, and then you're not saying like you know Wooten's not under pressure to come to a new country in the middle of the season right. and start producing right away, and so it works out for both of those guys. Honestly, if you think about it, but, but they have a big the Jamiro Montero question is going to be that's huge, and that's going to be another indicator. That's going to be another indicator too. Say, look, is Jay Sugarman the real deal now? Is he taking this seriously? Is this a different Jay Sugarman that we've seen in the past? Because everything that I've heard about Jay in the past, maybe you've heard these things, maybe you haven't, and this doesn't have to be a big whole referendum my favorite word on uh <clears throat> jay sugarman but you know kevin kincaid man of the people democrat etc <laughs> that's that's me that's right um you know it's it's uh oh jesus christ what the hell was i just gonna say um what do you think of sugarman? he he i'd been told in the past that jay it wasn't that necessarily the jay would just sort of shut everything down immediately it was that he was sort of a little bit it just took some convincing right like, Bedoya was a good example, you know, because at the time, Bedoya was their highest paid player. You know, I don't think they had anybody who was like a, you know, a million dollar DP quality kind of dude at that point. They were still trying to figure it out in Moneyball or whatever. But uh, from my understanding, they said, hey, here's why we need this guy. Here's why he's good. He's an American international, blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe there just needs to be more convincing done. Um, but I've never got the, speaking on the record, off the record with people, I've never got the indication that Jay just like shuts shit down automatically. It just feels to me like he's always been a guy that just needs a little more coaxing, a little bit more convincing. And, uh, maybe if you want to equate that to being cheap, you could, I guess. But the whole point of this is that I don't think he's like a anti this, anti that, anti whatever. I think he's just super cautious when it comes to a lot of that stuff. Um, I, I think that there are ways to be a little more aggressive without being a huge spender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and look, Portland is the obvious example of that because Merritt Paulson goes and gets it. That's true. And, and Jay and, Sugarman, they're still exercising all these things that Jay talked to us about even when I was back on the beat when Jay was saying, look, we're not going to line up with our muskets and shoot the other guys at their muskets because they have, you know, their muskets, muskets are bigger. Are 17th right, century weapons. Right, right. That's just my. So, sorry, but now you have, now you are doing a little bit of money ball. You know, you're bringing in Kai Wagner from the third division in Germany. You're bringing in Shabilka from wherever the hell he came, you know? So, so now, now you have an opportunity to do, you are exercising what you wanted to do, but you have an opportunity to complement that then with a little, little bit of a money infusion, a little bit of stuff coming from you, you know, before you could not, if you didn't want to justify B because you didn't have A in the past, I understand that, but now you do have A, so there is really no excuse for Jay Sugarman anymore. When you have the opportunity, again, you have the opportunity to go get a second home playoff game, and as I said, you figure that would make back the money, that whatever the money they were going to spend. Right, right. And again, it sends a signal to your players and to your potential players that you're willing to push it a little bit. Right, right. That's going to pay dividends 
more than just in the moment, I think. Well, if you see it as one step back in the financial department, it's two steps forward in every other department combined. You know, your players right. appreciate that. You make the money back, like you said, with concessions and all that other stuff. And, uh, you know, what are you doing if you're a 52-point team and you're leaving charter flights right. unused at the end of the season? Because where else are you going to fly? you got this three-game road trip. You're probably going to host through the playoffs. And until the playoffs you, are a separate. Hmm. The playoffs in the Champions League don't count. Right. So if you're not using them now. Playoffs in the Champions League don't count toward the charter limit. Right. So, it, so if it, you're not using the four right. now, then when the hell are you going to use right. them? You know? So, so it, for, for a team to, to, that's this good this year to leave those – unused right. it just doesn't seem like if, if you're not like we said this before about all these other teams like when it comes to player personnel if you're not you can value certain avenues over other avenues but if you're not at least exploring all of them then what the hell's the point you know and it, it's you like don't you know you, you don't know when you're gonna have a season this good again right and that right. is something certainly i think for fans to take into consideration right right, right. if they sell wagner which if they come out next year and they're not, if they come out next year and they're not that good and you want to be a cheapo next year, fine. But like you got a good team for the first time right. ever, right? First time ever. There are, so just do there it. Are, you know? I can think of at least on top of my head of at least three guys who they might stand a good chance of selling on there: Wagner, mm-hmm. Mark McKenzie, mm-hmm. and Andre Blake. Mm-hmm. I think this might be when he goes. And the reason why I think it might be when he goes is because Jamaica just finally cracked the top 50 of the FIFA rankings. Yep. And Which affects. I don't know whether this was going to be on your rundown or not, but that vastly improves Andre Blake's ability to get an English To get a permit. visa. Now, oh, I'm sorry, there, a permit, yes. <laughs> Brexit might blow that whole thing to smithereens. Mm-hmm. So uh, we don't know true. what's going to go with that. Right, right. But as um, things stand... Well, he was originally going to be... If Josh Harris wants to buy him now, he can do it. <laughs> do you like my uh, Josh Harris conspiracy theory? They, they sell their... Uh, the Harrison Blitzer are selling their stake in Crystal Palace. They get out of it. They make uh, Jay Sugarman an offer he can't refuse because it fits the Harris Blitzer sports and entertainment profile uh, no, geographically. Uh, New Weren't Jersey Devils. they going Devils. in Spain? Oh, I have no idea. I, I, just, I saw you know. that they were investing... In a Spanish second division team, maybe somewhere. Oh, I do remember hearing this now. Who and I it? think, I think, I Google. think they, you know, they're selling high with Crystal Palace, obviously. For sure. So they're they'd be they're buying low on that Spanish team, and they would not be buying low on your Philadelphia. That's true. Um, I just googled. Oh, uh, yeah, David Blitzer's uh, Al Corcone. Yes takeover worth up to 14 million pounds well that's Which like chump, not very much chump change for him yeah right like so going, you make that back go into the wawa you know right. if they go up you make that back. um final thing on the sugarman what the hell was i just gonna say um oh god i had another good point it's like friday i'm, I'm like fried with all this eagles bullshit going on um well, that's every day well, that's every, that is really every day. Um, no, I just say, I mean, again, it, it would be, I feel like there would be something left on the table because, you know, you've been, uh, you know, waiting for this kind of Philadelphia Union season for so long. You know, and I think it would just be a shame to look back and think that they didn't do everything that was in their power I, I agree to, to, you know, have a competitive advantage. And if, if Jay Sugarman, here's the thing, 
the way that Jay Sugarman has spoke over the years, he said, well, you know, our talent is not this, you know, we're not going to get the 15 million DP or whatever the hell. Well, if you're looking for one of those marginal, you know, sort of like in, in the margins kind yes, of places where you can, it. where you can this compete. This is it right this, now. This is it, right. the flight. Yeah. And, yeah, so. and so it doesn't jive with what he's said in the past. You know what I mean? It doesn't like interface that way. And it, it, I've said my piece about it. I really have. <laughs> Well, you can have the final. I'll give you the final word, and then we'll switch topics here. You know, it, it's this team's good, and people are actually talking about it, and they're playing the kind of soccer that the soccer people in the city are actually enjoying. Right? That's right. That's right. So ride that wave, man, because you may not you may not get it again. And you know, and you don't, don't want to. It's just a blown opportunity, right? And and you know, all right. I'll change the subject. I've covered this team for too long. Sometimes, you know. And it, it's these last couple games were the first time in a while that I felt like the atmosphere was really like it was in the early years. It looked great on TV. And even man. then, you know, there were still there were empty seats in the LAFC game. And I was just like, "What? Why? Yeah. Why can't?" Well, you have this fear then because you're sitting there thinking, "Well, if not now, then when?" Like, are we looking at the pinnacle now? Like, is it sustainable? And if Jay Sugarman's not willing to, to, you know, to throw in to go all out here, then it's an indicator that maybe he never will be. But we'll find out. Uh, Marco Fabia missing a team meeting and uh, not even being in the 18 the other night. What the hell's up with that? What does it say in general? How about I give it a macro introduction to it? I can't answer the first question. If you told me, Sorry. like, if you told me in general that, because I, I think we would all agree that the biggest signings of the season were Santos because they paid money Fabian for him, Montero. Fabian. Well, Montero, yes, but we didn't really know what the hell he was either. Uh, you know? we no, we kind of did, but we Ernst we didn't spoke very highly of him. We didn't know. I don't think we thought he was going to be as this, good as yeah. good as he is. <laughs> I thought um, Wooten was going to be a little contribute a little more than he has. Okay, so Wooten three four whatever. But the point being is just like Wagner too. Yeah. So the point being the, this, like the, the thing about Fabian missing a meeting is sometimes you have to lay down the law on your big guys. And well, the irony is that you know if you told me at the beginning of the year that Fabian. Santos, you know, and then when they went and signed Vooten, that that at, you would get to a game against LAFC, which has high stakes, and both teams are really, really good. Two of those guys wouldn't even be on. Yeah, two of those guys would be on the bench, and one one of them would be right. not even in the eighteen. The, I would have said you're the, the 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 not playing against LAFC for Fabian. I know was really disappointing. Well, you um, had, you had a nice uh, Vela feature story lined up with that, didn't you? I wrote it. Oh, you did write it. Okay. It was about the two of them playing against each other for the first time ever, and then they did. And that didn't happen. Um, I prefer to think of Fabian this way. Very well, I'll say this: I my You're... gut instinct was, and I later heard that this was wrong. But my gut instinct was that if you bench your star player for missing a meeting, that reminds everybody else to not miss meetings either. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard that it wasn't quite about that. But it... it. Well, either way, it's easy if... if and I don't, if I don't know... If we're going by the idea that Fabian's probably not going to be back anyway... 
Well, see, that's the fascinating thing. Then when I you? first when I first saw that he wasn't in the eighteen, I thought it was tactical related because they were playing. And I figured he would have been on the bench. Not starting didn't surprise me. Yeah. Because you want to put Montero at the 10 and press the hell out of them for... He likes Montero up there. And see what happens. I like Montero up there, too. See what happens. Mm -hmm. And then bring Fabian on for the last half hour. What you didn't... What I don't think anybody expected was for the Union to play so well Mm -hmm. in that game that LAFC dropped back in the last half hour and created spaces from about 18 to 25 yards out mm-hmm. that Fabian would have been the perfect guy to exploit and they didn't have anybody else on the field that could do it. Yeah, it almost... That seemed, shocked me. Right, right, because this whole time we've been saying, well, you know, he's kind of got the quality that can help unlock, you know? It's almost like he seems... I, and he, it's he, also an immense compliment by LAFC to the union. It is, it is, yeah. Um, I got the sense that they were just happy to get the hell out of there with the point and after I, their their right. form not being I asked that Jim Curtin after the game... Would you ever have expected that? He said, we'll never know. And I thought that was an appropriate answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He clearly wasn't thrilled about having to do this. Um, but you look at Fabian overall, you look at Fabian's contributions. What is it, six goals in 19 games? Mm-hmm. Some clear pedigree on the field. The guy the other team has to think about and account for. There's a little bit of... His um... contra- if, he, if, if he goes after this year, and I won't be overly surprised if he does, but if he goes, I will say, yeah, he actually made a fairly consequential positive contribution to this team. This yeah, year. he wasn't. I, I, it feels like there's a little bit of uh, Roland Alberg in Fabian. You know? With one exception that I'll get to in a minute. He might not have been the best fit necessarily, but he could yeah, score I've, goals. There are I mean, a, good... a lot of people who think he's not the best fit tactically. Yeah, but, I'll, but he's a good I'll player. Get, I mean... I'll get to that in a minute, to the biggest difference between Fabian and Auburn in a minute mm-hmm. well okay there's two of them one I'll get to now which is Fabian is not an asshole the way that Auburn was uh, that's true he genuinely is a very nice guy I've heard yeah um, I'll get to the other bit in a second if I had to pick going to the playoffs as I do every once in a while I want to do playoff previews who is the one game breaker on each of these teams I'd pick Marco Fabian on the union he, he, without thinking twice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He is the guy, the old Jimmy Rollins red light player definition. Jimmy yeah, he is the guy. Rollins. He is the guy for the big moment. Yeah. Unquestioned. Did, did, you, like my, did you like my Harry Callis? Right uh, not bad, yeah. Jimmy Rollins. Not okay. bad. Um, I can't do Tom McCarthy because I cannot shout as excitedly and homeristically. No, I, I don't think I've watched a Phillies game all year, but don't tell anybody I said that. Uh, so the other difference between Auberg and Fabian is that if Fabian, whenever Fabian goes, whether it's this year or the future, but certainly if it's after this year, I will say he made a positive contribution to the team. I will not back down from that view. And the union failed spectacularly to do anything with it off the field. Mm -hmm. Absolutely failed. Yeah, you don't see much of a, uh, much needle moving in the, uh, in the public relations department. I have seen barely any Mexican flags in the stands all year, save for the one on the river. So they did the Hispanic heritage thing, but that was for the friendly, right? Uh, which I wasn't even at. Okay. Because I know I was. Yeah, I was not at the Pumas game because 
I was at the U.S. Soccer Board meeting up in North Jersey. Oh uh, yes, that's correct. Uh, um, but yeah, it did feel like that in the beginning of the year. To sleep, we can talk about that. <laughs> the, no, but but the again, you would think, and this falls on Tim McDermott more than anybody else. And I've said this, and he knows I've said it, and he's not going to be happy with me saying it again. But because he is the chief business officer, it falls on him that the Hispanic community in the region, the Mexican immigrant mm-hmm. community in particular, mm-hmm. has not come to the games. My they colleague, Justine Dimoye Correa, wrote about it back in May. She wrote the story mm-hmm. about how the the those demographics folks were saying, yeah, we'd sort of like the union to pay attention to us a little bit. And they haven't. There's well, still no Spanish language PR. There's no Spanish language social media. They do like the four TV broadcasts or whatever. There's no radio. Mm-hmm. The you know Telemundo comes. The guy the the guy who's the Telemundo sports anchor whose name I'm I'm blanking on comes down once every week or two out of the oh yeah own, yeah you know, yeah I know who you're talking about his yeah. own uh, volition basically he does yeah it's wood yeah and again I realize I grew up in Washington where DC United games at RFK Stadium were bilingual experiences. Yeah, there's a very uh, huge Salvadoran Yes, Bolivian, the whole, they got the whole... Bolivian too, yeah. Everybody, um, because of the embassies and so on. That's right. And, but uh, still, they've got... That was the most diverse crowd you'd ever see at a sporting event was a DC United game back in the day. Oh my God, why can't I remember the name of the guy? El Diablo, the guy with the great hair. Salvatore. Yes, thank Oh, you. the player or the fan? No, oh, no, 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 the player. Uh, Marco Echeverri. Marco Echeverri, thank you. Marco Echeverri, yes. Uh, El Marco Diablo, Echeverri, the Marino, Bolivian. Yeah, that was a very early identity uh, for, for DC. Right. You know? <clears throat> and the Union have not Echeverri. captured that community locally. Here's my problem, though, and we don't have to go on a whole, huge tangent about this, but I've made the point on the podcast before that, you know, I used to ref and play up at So5 all the time, and you'd be hard-pressed to find, like, a white dude up there because it's just probably it's probably the most diverse Good. gathering. Good, Good. Well, yeah, it's it's well because it's up on you know you just go Cotman Avenue Elkins, all the Elkins way Park, up. One or, yeah. Elkins Park, yeah. So uh, you know I used to ref like Brazilian teams of like Brazilian dudes and uh, there's there's that's so you start to bleed into like the Ukrainian like Russian area of Philly too when you get up there. There's a team from Georgia, not, not not Atlanta. I should go but check like that the out. Tbilisi side of um of uh, the country of Georgia there. But um I, I you know I always felt too like it's kind of there also does have to be a willingness. Uh, in those communities to engage. You know, I think sometimes it's people would be sit back and, and wait for the approach. Like you have to come to us, you have to come to us, you have to come to us. And it's fine if you, if you want to, if you want to be a, you know, this also, I think extends to like the people who are like uh premier league fans who like, like white premier league fans who would go down to like the pub or something in the morning. Like, um, Yes, the union needs to definitely get out there and do more. Yes, they need to show that there's that they care about these communities and whatnot. But um, there, there has to be a willing there a willingness to accept that too, because but, I think you do have you but, do but, have but part of people who if, say like if this union, is not my team. You know, if the union were doing it, if the union were really doing it and were being turned away, I think we'd know. That's true. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and it's it's it makes it's a. I just feel like it's a little bit of a two way street. I don't know. I think there I, are some people who say like, I don't give a shit about the union. I'm never going to give the shit a shit about the union. And there are other people who say like, well, it would just be nice for them to reach out and make an effort. You know, and I don't think because much and, of an it effort would be nice for made, them you know? to reach out and make an effort and tell me how to get to the stadium without a car for my. Apartment That's very true. That's also very. I true. I had a yeah. conversation yeah. 
with somebody today who was very well connected in the local soccer community. I don't know if he listens to the show or not. Um, we were at breakfast at Kafar Cafe over by Rittenhouse Square, which is my new go-to spot. Mm-hmm. Free advertising from Mike Solomonov. You're welcome. Who is a soccer fan, by the way. <laughs> um, and I said, why was the LAFC game kids' night? Is that what it was? Yes. Hmm. Yes, that's what it was. Why did you need to make the biggest game of the year, which you already knew was the biggest game of the year before it actually mattered, because LFC, LAFC is the biggest team that's coming into your building mm-hmm. this year. Why did you need to make that game kids' night? Why did you need to make the Atlanta game 90s night? Why couldn't they have stood on their own? Were these things that were planned um, ahead of time? Like they were just on the schedule? No I don't know, what, but they're, they... you know, they're promotional night. Why do you need to make the two biggest home games of the year promotional? Nights? So what do you, do you think that just cheapens like the the atmosphere or whatever? It's like artificial or something like that? Well, if like these games if are big enough. promotions to get people out right. to the biggest games of the year. Just let it stand on its own. It should, yeah, yeah. Do your 90s night against Columbus mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something like that. Do your kids night against... Yeah. Well, I wonder how much... Yeah. I wonder how much of that is pre-planned and how against, much flexibility they have to... like. Uh, but do your kids night against, you know, against some other team that people don't care about mm-hmm. that's not D.C., New York, Atlanta, L.A. Yeah. You know. So not asking... Um, ignoring the page... That's my... It's my rant for the day. Now you got now you, that's you got my rant for the day. Ignoring the page D six thing and anything inquiry related, do you feel like uh, non soccer people elsewhere? Do you sense any traction, any movement at places like, uh, you know, the TV stations or what the other places that we would refer to as like quote unquote legacy media? Or I'm going to feel- defer to you on that. Well, I don't. I I did a rant about this earlier, or on an earlier podcast. But I I I don't. I mean, I'm not down there anymore. But I don't feel. I still feel like the person who didn't like soccer before. I don't know if they've necessarily changed their minds on the union this year. I feel like some younger and people, I don't care about them. I don't either. But then, well, let me let me ask a let me ask a question this way. What do you think is, and we actually talked a little bit about this, I think, when you came in last year, but you have two different markets Probably you're going year after. That, the year before that, too. Do you, wh- who do you think is more, there's a non-soccer fan over here. I'm pointing to my right. There's a non-soccer fan over here who doesn't really like the sport, doesn't know anything about the sport. Do you go after that person and try to market towards them? I or don't. do you Or do you put resources into the guy who goes down to Fado wearing his Chelsea jersey, who says he's a soccer fan, but he doesn't care about MLS. Like, I, go, which... I go the latter. I've always gone the latter. You know that. Your listeners know that. I, mean. mm-hmm. I always go the latter. Um, now, I come from that community. Right, because you're a little arsenal weasel. But it's not even that. I've you been a soccer put on, guy. You put I've been on a soccer guy since before the union existed. <laughs> You put on the if you, Obama if you, if you come from the other side of it, if you come from your right side, as mm-hmm. you were pointing to, mm-hmm. you were pointing to where Baxter had been by the door. Where he was, yeah. That Baxter is... Uh, Angelus, Baxter, and Fishtown. But if you only have yeah. enough resources, like, who who are you... Con- who are, who's easier to convert? I, 
Oh, I think the soccer fan. So you think like the guy who says, because a lot of the reasons that they're Premier League fans or whatever fans is they say MLS is shit. But so I what think, do you, so I think what's, in this town, in this town, you have a couple of different things. One, you have people who don't think MLS is shit. Two is the union have been bad for so long. Mm-hmm. <coughs> the opportunity to convince them that MLS is not shit mm-hmm. has been hindered. The There were 50,000 50, people at the link for a soccer game mm-hmm. in late August. Yeah. yeah there's people out there. There are, there are, and, and that was. And they, they. You're talking about the women's game at the yes. link. And look, not every single one of them is a men's soccer fan. We know that. Mm-hmm. But do you think who but has I their? Sure, that, they sure were a lot of people talking about it, and there were soccer people. Here's what. Here's kind of. And like, they go when the men show up too. You know. Say you have like, um, like I'll give a shout out to my guy Glenn Mack now. Uh, who came on Sports Zone and did a lot of um, CBS with us back in the day? Um, Glenn will tell you straight up, he's not a soccer dude, and he's, he's probably never going to be a soccer dude. Um, but I think like younger, but but I think if you had like a three tiers here, okay, I'm going to break up one of those segments into two different tiers. So you have guys who are like older who grew up on baseball and football and stuff like that, like Glenn, who doesn't like hate the sport, but he's like it's just not my thing, you know, right? And then you have like a younger dude in that demographic who says, oh, like I'm a 32-year-old Sixers fan. Yeah, maybe I'll get into the union, whatever the hell. Like I think that can be split based on age, certainly. As we've said before Now in between, hang on a sec. In between, I think is where you place like the pro-rel for USA anti-MLS person. I think if you're people who it's easiest to convince, easiest to pull in, I think it's going to be like your – curious kind of like 20 30 year old something somebody with an open mind versus the person who goes to Fado with the Pulisic jersey and then you have sort of your older baseball football demographic who are kind of like lost causes and you wouldn't waste resources on them in the first place the people who wear the Kevin De Bruyne jersey used to be a little more accurate than the Christian Pulisic jerseys yeah 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 um it's the first name that came to mind are the sorts of people who in Atlanta and Cincinnati are and they now making up those Madison, those crowds? Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and some other parts of the country mm-hmm. have been converted or have taken to MLS or to American soccer, mm-hmm. I should say, because mm-hmm. Madison's the third division. Yeah. I would say that no small number of people in the New York City FC fan base. And they do have one, notwithstanding that some of them are politically disagreeable. Very disagreeable oh, yeah. in some cases. I, I just wanted to touch on that very quickly at the end. Short, uh, probably shouldn't be in the stadium in some cases, but for reasons that they have proven in the stadium, they shouldn't be in the stadium. Well, but let, that's a different story. We'll touch on that later. But yeah. anyway, the point is, it's certainly going to NYCFC games in their first couple of years, which I did a few times. Mm-hmm. That's a fan base of people who wouldn't, Wanted to go give it a real shot. Yeah, yeah. And they were not just showing up because Lampard was there. They were legitimately going to give it a shot. hmm So it can be done. And I was I was talking... The guy I met with this morning was... Um, he works for an outlet called Playmaker Studio, which did that ad that ran in the stadium for the 2026 World Cup bid. Okay. They do the PR... Uh, 
uh, for that. It's run out of Richie Graham is the big investor in it. I've written mm-hmm. about it before. It's yeah. a creative agency. Um, you know, they're starting to come out of their shell a little bit now and do some real public facing branding stuff. You got them. Uh, and the guys who work in it are real smart. Um, one of them is a quasi public figure. So I'll name him. His name is John Parker mm-hmm. lived in Atlanta for a long time and, and is very well versed in American soccer. He's, he lives in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Even Oloy, who runs live, breathe football mm-hmm. lives in Philadelphia. A former guest on the program. I assumed he was. I didn't want to jump to conclusions, but as a terrific dude and is now, you know, um, doing really well for himself, just did the big deal with Sporting Kansas City and has done a few other things. Mm-hmm. He lives here. Mark Willis, who runs Clean Sheet Company, lives here. Sean Foreman, who runs Sports Reference, lives and is a, very much a soccer fan. Launched their soccer, you know, entity in recent months. Mm-hmm. Lives here. Mm-hmm. The Icarus FC kit designers Yep, live here. Maybe I could get an always soccer Icarus kit. I'll have to hit them up. Um, that's some real serious intellectual capital in soccer in this town. It is. Yeah, it is. And from time to time, I will sit in the press box in Chester and think to myself, it's not being captured. Yes. By the local professional soccer team. Correct. Yes, I would agree. So, I would argue that it is there for the capturing, and I would go try to get it. It's definitely uh, still feels untapped ten years later. I'm not sure how that's possible, but um, I, I mean, I think we know how it's possible. If you have people, it's a human capital equation. If the people in the jobs don't have the vision or the ability then they're not going to get it. Well, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. And it doesn't uh, just... Still... I want to be clear about something. This is not just about one person, even though that one person might think it is. It's really not. Mm-hmm. Because the union has struggled with this for a long time over many people. Yeah. It is a human... And I'm not saying that I'd be any good at it or that you'd be any good at it. Mm-hmm. But... And I'm not saying that soccer is holier than thou necessarily either. But but more and more now, probably suits you to put somebody in that job who knows the game a little bit. I hear that. Um, I feel like we've been asking that question. Yeah, like you said, I feel like we've done this topic every single year. But that says um, Precisely. says the story that we still talk about all the time because it's still a thing. Um, all right, let's end on um, a united front, and we don't have to get too hardcore into it. But yeah, if, I, I will disclaim right away that some of the things I want to say I can't say because I will be fired from my job. <laughs> no, it's okay. Saying. It's okay. And then I'll get to um, the interview with Katie Fellinger. I forgot to even introdu- introduce that at the beginning of the show, but Katie, who um, left CBS3 this week, actually was good enough to get on the phone with me the other night. Um, well, I mean, the reason I wanted to bring up a United Front is just because there's another development on it, like actual newsworthy. If Phil and I, Phil Kaidel and I talked about this weeks ago, but um, the supporters uh, met with the league 
um, in Las Vegas, I guess, um, yes. last night, right? And there was nothing, like, no resolution or whatever, but I guess the, the thing was, like, it was productive and we're going to continue to work with it or whatever, right? So um, you mentioned certain supporters um, at Yankee Stadium, uh, NYCFC people, um, who were, like, identified as white supremacist Nazi dork, dorkuses or whatever the hell, you know? And I think people got to understand, too, that's kind of like the, like, the genesis um, – of the whole Iron yes. Front and whatever the hell is because and, and people felt City like FC they needed not to kicking them out or at least yes. not being yeah. forward enough about wanting to deal with it when their ownership is it has questionable right not ethical and, and moral type right so I I think people need to understand maybe I didn't do a good enough enough job setting this up when Phil and I talked about it but the point being was that like the reason these displays started popping up in the first it wasn't like some blanket like we're gonna fight fascism like it was okay they're you know, we have identified people who are part of group A, B, and C who are in the stadiums, right? So so my question to you, John, uh, John Tanwell, because my take on it has always just been kind of like I have would say I'm like as, mi- as middle of the road as you can be because um, I don't really like partisan politics at all. Um, I've just always felt like MLS is trying, you know, what, what, what I think nobody wants is like, you know, Iron Front in Section 135, and then, like, Nazi MAGA in Section 136, and then, like, anti-abortion in 137, and then, like, um, pro-abortion, you know. So I I think beyond that, it's just, um, could it not have been solved simply by MLS and NYC to say, like, look, we're going to boot I think it's a a little more than that. Um I do not think that MLS has done itself any favors in how it has handled all of this. I think that is for sure. I agree with that, yeah. And I think that you do not have to be of any necessarily any particular political persuasion to say that this has turned from something small into something major, and it really didn't. Yeah. There are yeah. plenty of scenarios in which that didn't have to happen. I will say that it is a very particular thing in Portland mm-hmm. because... While the city of Portland itself is extremely liberal, the rest of the state of Oregon is not. Correct. And there have been a number of white supremacist rallies in Portland, and they have targeted that city because well, even of just that a couple, dynamic. Just a couple weeks ago, right? Didn't the like the idiots wear in the bunch of them this the year? Yeah. yeah, I missed one yeah. of them by like yeah. two days when I was out. Yeah, there was a recent rally where a bunch of idiots were out there. Yeah. Um. And that that helps. There are fan, a lot of reasons of why the too. political climate is what it is. I think they are fairly well known to your listenership. Mm-hmm. So I'll go about that far, and that's about as far as I'm going to go. Um, if I get the opportunity someday to go further, I will. But I don't have it. So. Well, I'll say I'll say this then, and then we can wrap it up actually, because it's a very nuanced and complicated thing. You spent like three hours talking about it. You know, it's it's. I think it seems simple enough on the surface to say, all right, we've identified um, some, you know, proud boy Nazi jabronis or whatever. Here, we're gonna kick them out of the stadium, right? Um, it, it just. I think one of the hesitations there too is that there has to be. I mean, look, there's there's certainly if we've identified who these people are and there's a very cl- uh, clear connection to unscrupulous groups, you would s- I've absolutely be justified in saying get the hell out forever. Um, I just wouldn't want to see it turn into something where it became like 
you know, we're going to investigate every single member of the Sons of Ben, or we're going to go dive into 10 years of like Facebook posts I, I from the Keystone State Ultras or whatever the hell I got. Like it, it does have to be present us with the proof. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't have to be like a, I'm not a witch hunt sounds like a stupid. No, term I, get, I know it, what it, you're getting. Cause at. then it makes it sound like you I'm defending. I think, like, I think that a people. lot of these people, a lot of the folks who are, that was very clear and no, present. Right. Like they, it was lot, very right. obvious. A lot who, of the folks were, you know? who are calling for, you know, the bands of the fans from the stadium would not necessarily themselves want 10 years of their own social media history. Search without their yeah, consent. Yeah. Now, again, that is a situation in New York where there was proof of it. Yes, it was and very. I took it, to Don Garber it was very at visible. The start of this season. It was very visible. And yeah, yeah, his, yeah. um, the nature of his answers set a lot of people off. I, I, I think he thought it wasn't going to be as that, that this was just sort of a blip. And, right, and I think that also without understanding what, know, what it a was, lot of yeah. people have said, the NBA is doing this. Why can't MLS? Which, agree with it or not, you it is I think fair to say. Yes, the NBA is doing this. Mm-hmm. And the NFL, which is where there's a lot of cross-ownership between MLS and the NFL. Yes. There's a different beast culturally. Is certainly a different beast with the ownership and the politics of a lot of the big money owners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is no secret as to what they are. Um, I think it's a statement of fact to say that a lot of the NFL owners are very conservative in their politics. Mm-hmm. Um. Jerry, what I have Jerry said to Jones. a few people, and I th- again, this will be about as far as I stick my neck out. I don't necessarily think that haranguing the league office per se is the answer by the for the fans. Hmm. Better to harangue the clubs mm-hmm. because the clubs are the ones. Garber, the commissioner serves at the pleasure of the owner, owners. Correct. So. I know a little bit about Don's politics. He's rather fairly liberal on the scale of sports commissioners politically. Yeah, he's it's it's um, funny how but, he gets painted a certain way, but, but I don't think he, he really is. He is yeah. serves at the pleasure of the owners. That's correct, yeah. Therefore better perhaps to target the owners and the clubs and get the clubs to answer. Well, because it's like a rubber band that it's like, well, you know, Merritt Paulson, why are we complaining about him when it's the league telling him what to do? But the league is not Don Garber. The the league, to your point, is... Phil Anschutz, Bob Kraft, Clark Hunt. (laughs) So it's like... Arthur Blank. I think there's some... Jeff Birding and et cetera. Yeah, so I think there's some... There's not... um, misdirection is not the right the right word but i think like um i think some people are firing in the wrong direction i think i think the aim is a little off on some of the complaints but and i've said i've said with a lot of things for a long time aim your fire in the right direction that's right you know make sure you're pointing in the in the right way before you start going off well we'll see what happens with that because they had the meeting uh yesterday thursday yesterday thursday and um, if anything, uh, whatever. But we'll see, uh, or w- whatever happens, we will uh, update you on. But um, yeah, that's about it for now. Uh, Philadelphia Union Red Bulls on Sunday, and uh, we've got San Jose midweek. Um, we're flying. eleven p.m. in the east. Eleven p.m. in the east, which means that uh, the baby will be asleep, and I'll probably be asleep baby, too. We awake. The baby will wake up at the end of the game. That's right, and wake me up, and uh, maybe Cammy will watch her third, uh, third or fourth Union game. 
But uh, John, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for making your um, your annual trip up to Fishtown. We'll do it again uh, next year, and we'll see where the Philadelphia Union end up in the playoffs, and we'll see if that playoffs, and we'll see if um, that was if, very good. if that turns it. Yeah, I did a Harry Callis and a Jim Mora Senior uh, in this podcast episode number ninety two. Uh, and right now, I'm going to toss it over to the interview I did um, the other night with Katie from CBS three. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, right? Well, obviously you're listening to the podcast. The, the conversation I just had with John was on Friday. Uh, this is Katie and I talking on Wednesday about soccer and other things. And I will just end the podcast uh, after her interview. But thank you, the listener, for listening. All right, we're going to continue the Always Soccer in Philadelphia podcast with a very special guest, uh, somebody who uh, used to be a co-worker a colleague of mine at Channel 3, Eyewitness News, uh, who is actually no longer there as of two days ago, I believe. Everybody, it's Katie Fellinger. Katie, what's up? Hello. I'm so thrilled to be talking to you, Kev. Yeah, welcome, welcome. It's great to have you. Um, and this is a big deal for you. Mm-hmm. Not that you're on this program, but... <laughs> no, that's a big deal for me. I'm well, that's, that's a pretty good, too. Yeah, it is pretty <laughs> nice. Um, I'm not going to blow sunshine on my butt, but it's a big deal. <laughs> Because we're we're recording this at uh, at about eight twenty p.m. and you're actually awake. I know, and I still have the energy too. It's like I don't know. There's a pig flying somewhere. <laughs> Do you feel like a, like a new woman, like you're reborn? Completely, completely. Um, because even though this is actually my first full day off uh, from the rigorous schedule of waking up at two thirty in the morning. Um, I was ridiculously productive today, and um, and I'm so just excited to not have to set the alarm ever again. <laughs> so before noon, I had two loads of laundry done. I had one business call already complete. Uh, I did an interview with Philly Inquirer. I uh, got two toddlers ready and off to preschool, and lunch is packed and all that. At Starbucks run, I actually worked out today. Oh, my God. So, like... <laughs> And this is all before noon, man. Ugh. So, um, yeah, yeah. Tell me, me tell me, tell me what, tell me what the uh, the routine. So I, I think people uh, understand. Okay, you worked the early shift. It was probably pretty difficult. But, but for for everybody, th- th- give give us some clarification as to when you were going to bed at night and when you were waking up. Yeah. So, if I, in a perfect world, had my way and was able to, I should be lights out by seven thirty. Absolutely. Like, that is even pushing it. But I got twins that are four years old. And the older they're getting, the later they're going to bed. And that meant that my window to sleep was shrinking and shrinking. So typically, in the final months, I wasn't actually hitting the hay until at least 8.30. And that meant that as long as I could pass out quickly enough, I would maybe get (laughs) six hours of sleep if I was lucky. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean... That, that's tough <laughs> when you do it for eight plus years. So it is. With that part of it was getting extremely old. Um, so I'll ask you a couple more TV related things later. Um, but this is a soccer podcast after all. So we do want to, sure. we do want to get some, uh, soccer related questions in here. And, um, so over the last couple of years, you have kind of become like a, uh, kind of Philadelphia union, uh, celebrity, I would say somebody who's, you know, who has a job where you have high visibility and you know you're pretty active on social media and it's uh 
oh, you know, Katie's Katie's one of us, right? She's a soccer person, a Philadelphia <laughs> Union person, right? You know, you're sitting in the river and you're banging the drums. Uh, yeah. J- Jack McInerney's on the the morning news, you know, doing the weather. Um, oh, that's old school, man. It is. It is old school. Actually, that's a perfect segue into the actual question, um, which is, you know, your, your actual soccer fandom actually goes beyond that because, correct me if I'm wrong, but you and your husband have had season tickets for some time now, right? Yeah, we. Uh, that was, funny enough, one of the first things that we knew we needed to do the second we knew we were going to be moving here because at that point, uh, the union, I believe, were in year three or four maybe mm-hmm. so they were pretty new still and i we got back here to town in 2011 so i mean i might have the math wrong but um yeah my first experience going to a union match was when i still worked at accuweather and a group of us came out from state college and i think we were like on our way to the jersey shore for a weekend or like for a week vacation and we're like let's just stop off in chester and go to a match and oh my god i fell in love with this team at that point and at that point, didn't also realize that I'd eventually be moving back to this area. And once we realized that was the case, that was one of the first purchases, like big purchases we made. Um, and we had been season tickets holders then for five years. So this last year, we didn't actually maintain the season ticket status because <laughs> the damn kickoff times were just too late with two little kids. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so we ended up just bailing on the season ticket part of it. But, oh, my gosh, the atmosphere this year has been amazing in that stadium. So, so, were you, so, so were you guys a soccer soccer fans before that, or did you just come down to the stadium that one time and say, oh, wow, this is crazy, we want to we be part of this? Yeah. So for me, that was the first time that I had experienced, believe it or not, the first time I'd experienced a live soccer match. My husband has been in this from – childhood like he played in all the youth leagues and he was a goalie um through high school and he actually refereed for a while too so he was the one that really introduced me to it and I think the, the, the first time that I really really got passionate about it was would it would have been um 08 would it have been 08 world cup am I thinking of the right year uh yeah um, mm-hmm. yeah uh, 2000, so 2006 I'm sorry Landon Donovan with him and uh, yeah, yeah. um got really into it then and my yeah, so I was new to it, but developed a feverish fandom for it um, when he introduced me to it back then, and ever since then. Um, so he 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 still to this day answers a lot of questions for me about what's going on because <laughs> I you know I was relatively new to it, well totally new to it back in the um, you know 08 era, but uh, yeah 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 it's it's become one of my biggest passions ever since. Yeah, for sure. Because I remember walking across the stadium. You guys would sit on the uh, on the opposite end of opposite the press side, box. Yeah, yeah. One thirty. One thirty. Yeah. So did you? Um, so I mean, what what do you? You know, you guys watched some some pretty bad union teams over the years. I mean, they they are not right now. They are so much different than what they used to be. I mean, what do you okay. what do you what do you think of of just where they are now in general to to some of those teams in the past? MLS is just start like really getting its sea legs. You know, like it's so tough to compete a bit against the European uh, teams when you're trying to get talent, and I think that's one of the biggest struggles that um, that MLS has had to face. But uh, it's amazing to see where they've come from. I remember when we found out that Bedoya had gotten signed, like the shock and the excitement that we both had finding mm-hmm. that out. Um, yeah, they just they've been drawing in super quality players and that's showing you know yeah, yeah. um 
So you have twin daughters. They are how old right now? Just turned four end of August. And you have, you've taken them down to the stadium, yeah? Yeah, we actually took them to their first match when they were eight weeks old. <laughs> so are they old <laughs> enough to, to, do they know what's going on? Do they like what's going on? Do they, do they seem to have an appreciation for it? They actually really do. Um, and when the Women's World Cup was on over the summer, they would like beg to have us turn it on for them. So yeah, they're developing just um, because we expose them to it so much. They're developing a love for it from that. Um, but yeah, they, they're into it, man. Like they, they love Fang, for one thing. That's probably their favorite part. <laughs> but um, yeah, they always ask if we're going to be going to the Duke Stadium. That's what they call it. Oh, the Duke so, Stadium? The Duke Stadium. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. They're, they're really into it, which just makes it so much more fun when everybody's excited to be there. You know, we're not dragging them there. They actually are interested in it. So well, it's cool. good to hear. It's good to hear about the Fang thing, because I think we did an entire podcast about the mascot, you know, because for some right. for some people from the older for the older like curmudgeons, it's like an existential crisis. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we can never have <laughs> never have the mascot. Right. We're too pure of a franchise. But case in point what i was saying back in the day i'm like you know you're gonna have kids there and families and stuff like that i mean like Mm -hmm. it's no skin off my back if fang is hanging out with the four-year-old twins like what's the big deal they like it they have something to focus on we watch the game what's what's the big deal right Mm -hmm. absolutely agree yeah like they're they're super into it and i'm exactly on the same page with you on that one it's like if you don't like it you don't have to like go and take a picture with the mascot (laughs) it's not like it's a requirement so yeah um the the more they can do especially since there's so many people that still don't think of us as a five-team town. If whatever they can do to draw in the fans, I say knock yourself out. Yeah, Just yeah. Stay, stay true to who you are. That's all that I would hope that they would maintain. And I feel like they're doing a pretty good job of that. Now, are you gonna um, are you gonna have your daughters playing soccer? Ideally, yes. They seem like they're into it. Um, we were actually just up uh, for the last two weekends up at Penn State, and one of our cousins, Steve's cousin, is a state farm rep. And he had this red soccer ball, and Aiden, <laughs> my one daughter, that's her favorite color. And she's loving soccer so much. So George gave her this red soccer ball, and she's been basically sleeping with it at night because it does not leave her side. Uh, so, yeah, like she's, they're, they're both really into it. Um, and, I mean, they're four, so they're not very good at it. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> saying that. But uh, they're, they're very much into it. I would love to get them involved in the team. Um, as they get old enough to do that. And I think probably yeah. next year they're going to be able to do it. So are you, um, when they are old enough and they start playing, you know, actual games and whatnot, and you and your husband are on the, uh, are on the sidelines watching, uh, what, what kind of parent are you going to be? Are you going to be the type that yells at the ref and yells at the coach? Or are you going to go st- <laughs> stand in the corner? Are you going to mind your own business? I'm probably going to be the one muttering under my breath because I'm pissed off, but I don't want to cause a scene. <laughs> Fair <laughs> yeah, enough. I'm a very passive aggressive B on that kind of stuff. <laughs> so do you, um, do you realize kind of how, I mean, this might be a stupid question, but you know, for every time that you would have somebody in to do the weather and stand there at the green screen or for every like trip to the river end or any kind of whatever with the union, like, were you aware of just sort of like the significance of, <clears throat> you know, having, having public figures put their support behind the team and, you know, stand for the Philadelphia union. Like, it seems like it's a rather innocuous thing. Like, Oh, you know, Shane and Williams is going to come in here and do the weather or whatever. But you know, those opportunities were few and far between at one point. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, and I think it, 
it definitely helped that the union knew what a fan I was because any time that they would reach out to us to do something, they knew to reach out to me first, almost always, yeah. uh, because I'd be the one to be like, of course you can do something. Let's let's make it happen. Um, yeah, and I, I do feel like it definitely went both ways. I, I still, to this day, never consider myself a celebrity by any stretch, <laughs> um, but... I, I do think that there was definitely something to be said for the relationship that I had with with the team and what to think I still do have with them where um, we support each other in that way because um, it's still a thrill for me when they retweet me. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 for sure. Um, you know, it's funny because, you know, we complain about like, well, what do we got to do to get people to care? What do we do for media coverage? But, you know, yeah. in, in a way, it's really just as simple as the people who are in a position to do things liking the sport. For example... Uh, when I worked in the sports department at Channel 3, you know, I was in control of the show. I could put the union in there if I wanted to, you know, and yeah. you, you as the morning meteorologist, if you wanted to have Jack McInerney in there, you could do it. And we did have a supportive um, executive producer in the morning. His name was Steve, Steve Lindsay, mm-hmm. um, who, who was also a sports fan. So, I mean, we make it this big, complicated thing, but really, it's, isn't, isn't it just as simple as the people who like soccer being in a position to do something? Because uh, I'll tell you this much, I know that I was the one and only meteorologist on our team that ever cared and took the time to create the union forecast and put it into the weather hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, just because I knew it was coming up and it, that forecast actually mattered to me. And so I'm like, <laughs> I'm building my own show. I'll put it in there. Um, so, yeah, like that kind of stuff, um, I think, definitely matters. And. I think you're dead on. It, it is really just as simple as what do you want to put on the show today? Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's some big like conspiracy. It's really not that that, that complicated. Right. Um, right. But to uh, sort of Josh Steve, our former EP or my former EP, yeah. you know, now that I'm no longer there, uh, the man is addicted to St. Joe's Prep, like has this strange cult like following for St. <laughs> Joe's Prep. So we hear about that all the time on the news. Yeah, I remember when Steve like called me in on one of my off days uh, and he said he had a story for me to go out and shoot because I was like one of the few producers that actually knew how to use a camera. He's like, I need you to go to St. Joe's Prep. I was like, oh, of course. <laughs> of, co- of course that's where you need me to go, you know? Jesus. Um, <laughs> so... <clears throat> So, so why did you get out of TV? You just you you dropped a bomb on me right before we recorded this, and you said you're gonna do a book and all kinds of stuff. So, so yeah. t- tell us tell us what's going on with your life right now. Yeah. So, uh, to backtrack a little bit and explain why I left, um, the long and short of it, because there are a lot of reasons that have built up over multiple years now, was that the two thirty a.m. alarm was going to have to have a shelf life. There's no way you can maintain that. Um, I had a lot of frustrations uh, that both came from me personally, that working within a corporation, you're going to get. It wasn't necessarily CBS-specific. But over time, I decided that I wanted to be in control of my decisions, of my schedule, of the projects I chose to do, of the way I wanted to do them, of even the language that I'm allowed to use. And it was enough um, of a buildup that it finally just came to a head and I decided to take the leap. It was terrifying as hell. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't say that, there, that I wasn't afraid of it, but um, once I started talking about it a lot more publicly just in recent weeks, the overwhelming support that came in made me really realize that this was absolutely the right move for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, like you said, I just dropped some breaking news. Um, <laughs> I, 
I'm branching out in a lot of different ways in the coming months. And the biggest thing is that I'm going to be writing a book. That's like the most for, the, the most foremost uh, project that I'm working on now, um, which is pretty much just going to explain how I came to make this decision. You know, I think some people might look at if you have an established career in market for why the hell would you throw that away? And I have very good reasons for that. And that this goes into a very honest discussion of how I came to that choice and the roadblocks that I had to overcome to do it. Um, then I'm also going to be working more uh, in public speaking and doing emceeing and keynote speaking. And um, there will be some more announcements as to where I'm going to start off in that in about a week or so. And uh, the biggest thing, at least most time-consuming project, is that I'm working to develop uh, my entrepreneurial side and create a video production consultancy because that, in truth, I love the weather. You know, I always yeah. have, but I love video production more and the on-camera and behind-the-scenes part of it. And that is my actual genius zone, and that's what I really want to um, – to help other people with. So I'm going to be developing some online courses surrounding that and hopefully a one-on-one -on -one consultancy to help people and businesses develop their brands and um, get past the fear of scary equipment and the fear of not feeling like you're going to be good enough on camera and just going for it and uh, becoming video rock stars after they're done with me. So that's sort of phase one. <laughs> it's, it's obviously a ton of projects and some really big undertakings, but what's crazy, Kevin, is that even despite all of these different things, I'm still going to have more quality time and yeah, yeah. Um, and better time with where I'm actually present with my family. Because you, know, you get home at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and yeah. when you're too exhausted to push your kids on the swing, that's a problem. So yeah, that yeah. was... You know, that was another part of the reason that I, I decided there need to be it needed to be a shift in in my life. Yeah, for sure. And I think um you know, I think the overarching thing about television that people should understand, and, and this is not um the Katie Fellinger and Kevin Kincaid uh bitch about the T V industry hour, but um you, you know, it it's uh this career has a short shelf life, you know, yeah. because you're working crazy hours and uh it's very hard to raise a family or even like have a girlfriend or a significant other do anything that norm normal people do you know so i i think uh a, a career like yours or like susan barnett's or liz kepner's is probably more typical than a yuki washington or a pat Shiraki or a or a jim gardner you know and i think the other thing is too um and this isn't any big secret or whatever but new newsrooms are not run by news people, you know, I mean, general managers for the most part come, come from a sales background. Um, and so a lot of it is money-making and ratings and stuff like that. And fortunately, I think a lot of the reasons why people like you get into weather and people like me get into news, um, is it fair to say that that becomes kind of like a, a sidebar topic once you finally make it to television market number four? To some degree. Yeah. Um, what I would say is that it's telling when, you receive more commentary, not even necessarily internally, but just in general, more commentary about how your hair looks than what your forecast is actually saying. <laughs> okay. I, I came to realize a long time ago that yeah, yeah. people gave way more of a shit about whether my hair was in place yeah, than yeah. whether my forecast was right, which drove me insane. But I had to, I had to come to grips with that, and I had to make a mental mindset shift and 
make sure that I looked as good as I possibly could. And <laughs> yeah, so it's so freaking ridiculous. I know. Right? No, I read some of those. I would read those tweets. You know, you get like the, the, this crazy feedback from people who would be like, uh, your hair looks like, what was the thing I sent you like a couple of weeks ago? Your hair looks too big. And I sent you like a picture of uh, the guy from White Snake, and, you know, saying maybe maybe you should right. make it look like. But but the point being is that like all that stuff, that stuff's like whatever. Like you want to do the weather. Um, you know, we right. want to do news. We want to do whatever. And it's like people are focused on what, you know? Mm-hmm. It is very strange. I mean, I, I never I, I always understood that I was that image comes with the job. Like that's that's part of it. And yeah. that's the reality. And so there's a whole there's reasoning behind why we had an image consultant that we worked with while I was there. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, you would uh, you would like to think that people are tuning into the news for the news uh, more than anything. I yeah. mean, they, they tune in for personalities too, and I get that. But um, when it literally is nothing but commentary about what you look like, <laughs> that gets really frustrating. Yeah. That yeah. is. Not the reason that I left the station. Uh, <laughs> make that perfectly clear. Like okay. that—that that was something I was able to, I think, to some degree, get over after yeah. enough years of dealing with it. But um, yeah, it—you're right. Like you get into it because you—you you have a passion for telling stories and you have a passion for uh, delivering important information to people. But that, unfortunately, is not always the focus. Um, I got two more questions for you. One is kind of micro and one is kind of macro. Um, The first one. So you did, uh, God, I'm trying to remember the timeline here. So so in the morning, we used to go from five to nine because we used to do uh, the two hours on the CW Philly, right? Um, Yeah, I actually, when I started, we had already extended that from 4.30 to 9. Oh, God, yeah. So you guys were doing four and a half hours straight in the morning, and then you would yep. still stick around and you would do the noon show, right? Yeah, okay. So Brutal. <laughs> either, either either that block of time or now just going back to like 4.30 to 7 or whatever it is now plus the noon show. Um, when you take that chunk of time, uh, plus, you know, like KYW radio hits or like going on Zioli's show or stuff like that, How how many weather hits do you think you did in a in a shift in one shift well i know for a fact that i did 11 live hits for kyw then you count up the recorded hits that i did for them that is an extra four at least with the latest um the latest format i would do three recordings for pht and then for tv i mean it was at least two every half hour so over (laughs) the span of two and a half hours you know, doing the math there. I mean, there was easily like 25, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Over, and just in the morning, and then I would have um, IDs to record, which are sort of like those little promos that you see in between shows leading up to the next one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and um, at least two hits during the noon show. So close to 30, probably, over the span of one shift. Yeah, yeah. It's... uh it's insane. I just wanted to let uh, listeners kind of get get a picture of what that was like because I because I know I know it's straight up, but like I, I was... have to use the bathroom at the wrong time because you got you got deadlines to meet. You got to be in place. No, I know. But the, the the hardest the hardest person to actually get any kind. I, this is like a hundred percent serious, but I feel like the hardest person to get any type of quality time with at the TV station was the morning meteorologist. Oh 
yeah. I felt completely out of the loop on literally everything. <laughs> it was One like... thing, you know, you don't have time to be running back and forth and um, and making small talk with people. But on top yeah. of it, just the way the setup was with the physical space, the weather office is completely removed from the newsroom. Yeah. <laughs> You're back in like, your. We- I always called it the weather cave, which it, it was like a blessing and a curse because um, – you, it's basically like a little lounge back there, and I could get so much work done, but yeah, yeah. never saw anybody, so, <laughs> let alone light of day, because there's no window in the weather office, ironically. Yeah. yeah, it literally was like a cave, because you would have to, I know this is not a visual medium, but I'm going to try to take the listeners through it, so you would walk into the studio, uh, the desk would be there on the center, then the weather's station or whatever would be on the right and if you kept going like in this big arc there was a door like a room behind the weather room where it was like if you never specifically were directed back there you'd probably have like no clue that it even existed you know yeah which is why most people never bothered me back there well it's a nice thing nobody yeah. knew how to find me yeah <laughs> all right katie last one for you right next to it is oh. I mean, talk about a hole in the wall, super tiny, super dark. All we had was a tiny little um, desk lamp for for any kind of light in there and two (laughs) computer, well, a TV monitor and a computer monitor. Uh, And other than that, you were in complete black darkness. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah, You huddled in there talking um, to thousands of listeners, but (laughs) you have no idea you're standing in a cave. (laughs) So I actually lied. I have, I have, Two more, but one quick one. Was it really, really weird to be like driving into work at like three in the morning and nobody's on the road? Um, I prefer to think of it as amazing. Um, <laughs> just mind the drunk drivers, eh, you know. Yeah. And luckily, by that point of the morning, most of most of them are gone, and you're only in company with other people that have really early morning shifts like you. Yeah. But um, I loved it, man. That if there's any positive to a schedule like that mm-hmm. is the lack of traffic for sure yeah it's true and we um, would when we were produ- was, was great. when we were producing those shows we would do like uh like a 1 a.m to 9 a.m shift so mm-hmm. you know i'd be going into work at like 12 30 at night and you could park anywhere you could go anywhere you could do whatever yeah. you weren't you didn't sleep yeah. for shit but it was actually easy to do that um mm-hmm. okay this is the last one for you and this is just a macro question. This is something that I could spend three hours talking about, and maybe I'll write a book about it at some point in my life. You actually are writing a book. Um, <laughs> but if there was – I'm giving you an open floor here to just uh, – you know, if there's something that you wanted to tell people about the television business, TV news, meteorology in general, uh, something mm-hmm. that you'd like to tell people that you think people don't know or don't recognize or don't pay enough attention to, what would you tell them about the business? About the business, well, about meteorology, that one's pretty easy, I think. I feel like that's relatively easy. I immediately know what I want to say. About meteorology, it's that it's an inexact science, and that even despite the um, the advance in technology and how accurate down to the location and minute that we can now get, it still can get we can still get it wrong. And we obviously have, and especially in, in snowstorms that we get burnt <laughs> yeah. a lot just based on if a track of a nor'easter shifts by 20 miles, your whole silly snow forecast is totally screwed. Um, but that's like the number one thing I would just remind people of. I think they know that, but they don't necessarily remember that. Um, but in terms of the business, I think a lot of people still assume, and maybe it was before our time, but it sure as hell isn't now, that the television business is glamorous. I really don't believe that any part of it actually is. Um, Yeah, we dress up, the people on air anyway dress up and and 
get in, in hair and makeup and nice outfits each day. But um, th- it is a very rigorous business to be in from the uh, the negative attention that you can sometimes get in the commentary. But yeah. the actual job itself is really hard. And uh, and it takes a lot for, for someone to last in this business. You, develop, you have to develop a really thick skin. And also a really thick sensitivity, I guess, would be the way to put it, because you're listening to horrific stories yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. And yeah. that takes a mental toll after a while, too. Like, I, when I, even still to this day, uh, when, when we would be covering some sort of a really bad story that had anything to do with a mother and child or yeah. just little kids in general, oh, my God, like, I'd have to pull my earpiece out because I couldn't listen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. When it hits you personally... It's really, really hard to report, and uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's just a lot tougher than I think anybody really realizes, because you're putting on your best face. You're basically in a job interview all day long. Yeah, that's a good way to work. put it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, and it's funny because, you know, we, we hear you know, those stories day in and day out, you know, car accident, mm-hmm. fire, shooting, yeah. whatever the hell I could stack my entire a block. Um, like the a block for the listeners is like the, the whole first part of the show before you go to commercial break, I could stack that whole thing with like shootings and stabbings and whatever. And like, at some point you just become like a jaded and burned out asshole. But yeah. every once in a while, there's something that gets you and you're just like, man, I can, you know, it's just like, this is too much, you know, kid, kids or children or something like that. So yeah, that's a yeah. good that's a good point. That's a good way to put it. It does kind of um that's why I say like ten years in the T V business feels like thirty, you know? Yeah, and it sure ages you like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well listen, Katie, uh you are you don't have to do that anymore. So you are now uh on the other side with the rest of us and uh believe me when I tell you that it is glorious uh on the other side and uh congratulations and I hope um everything that you've got lined up uh is uh very fulfilling. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm so excited to get this next chapter going. And so far, day one has been amazing. So I'm hopeful that it's going to continue to get better and better. And I trust you on that. Excellent. (laughs) Well, uh, you always have a home uh, in the Philadelphia Union community and on this podcast. So we will, uh, I'm sure we'll see you down at the stadium sometime. Yeah. You're damn straight. I will be there. All right, Katie, thanks. We'll do it again. And I will uh, see you. Thanks again for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Kevin.